I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus is the way to God. He is the only way to God. In John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said, I am the door. We must go through him to have access to the presence of God. In fact, in the same chapter and verse 1, Jesus said, Whoever does not enter by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So if we try to come to God another way, Besides, through Jesus, we will be treated as illegal trespassers. Amen. Hallelujah. Then in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, we read this. 1 Timothy verse, chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God. How many? There's one God and there is one mediator. How many? One mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The Greek word translated mediator means to go in the middle. Jesus is the link. He is the bridge between God and humanity. He represents God to man and represents man to God since he is God become man, forever God and yet forever man. And he said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So he is the door and that door is always open. I said that door is always open. Notice another scripture, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 in the New King James Version. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So those who come to God must come through him and he is able to save. The Greek word translated save in this verse is sozo. And besides saving, it also can be translated to heal, to deliver, to preserve, and to protect. So he is able to heal. He is able to deliver. He is able to provide. He is able to preserve. He is able to keep you safe. He is able to protect you. And not only the first time we come to God through him, meaning for salvation, but every time we come to him, it, come to God, it must be through Jesus Christ. He's able to save to the uttermost. And that means completely, wholly, Perfectly, He can not only heal you, he can heal you everywhere you hurt. He can make you whole. He can make everything right in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. There was an evangelist in England 
who lived from, I believe, 1860 to 1947. His name was Rodney Smith, or he was better known as Gypsy Smith because he was born a gypsy, and he uh, uh, got saved and began to preach the gospel. He was holding a tent meeting, I believe it was a tent meeting, in London, England, and he preached, Earth has no sorrows that heaven cannot heal. Earth has no sorrows that heaven cannot heal. And at the end of his message, he invited people to respond for salvation. I'm going to do the same thing after this message. He invited people to respond for salvation. And he noticed one man kneeling at the altar, struggling, having a difficult time. He walked up to the man and said, what's wrong, friend? And the man said, I want to be saved, but I can't. And and Gypsy Smith said, yes, you can. Christ died for all. And he said, no, you don't understand. I work in one particular office, and I have embezzled thousands of pounds over the years. And my boss is a hard man. If he finds out about this, he'll send me to the penitentiary. And I know that if I give my heart to Christ, I'll have to come clean. I'll have to tell him what I've done, and I just can't do it. And Gypsy Smith said to the man, it would be better for you to spend the rest of your days in the penitentiary than eternity in hell. The man said, no, it's too great a price to pay. And he got up and walked out. But the next day, Gypsy Smith saw that man running toward him. Uh, And he was excited. And he embraced him. And he said to him, it's just like you said, earth has no sorrows that heaven cannot heal. And he said, Gypsy Smith said, what happened? He said, you know, last night I didn't sleep the whole night. And I kept tossing and turning. And finally I decided I'm going to give my heart to Christ. I'm going to give him my all. But I know I'll have to confront my boss. He's a hard man. But I'll do it. I'll do it. So he went to the office, walked in the office, uh, the the room where his boss resided. And the man said, "Uh, what is it? Why have you come? My time's valuable. Speak up. And, and the man trembling said, I have something to tell you. Uh, I've embezzled thousands of pounds over these years, and I can't pay it back. His boss chomped down on his cigar and said, well, I want to tell you something. Just this morning, the board of directors voted to promote you, to make you my personal secretary, to give you a private office right next to my office with a fat increase in your salary. But... I'm going to send you to the state pen. I'm going to send you to jail. And the man trembling said, that's all right. Last night I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I'll just praise God every day while I'm in jail. The man thought for a moment. The boss thought for a moment. He said, hmm. On second thought, I think what I'll do is I'll go ahead and promote you. And then with the extra money you make in this new salary, you can pay the company back over a period of time. And then he said, Since you found God, go ahead and take the day off. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Earth has no sorrows that heaven cannot heal. He's able to save. He's able to heal. He's able to strengthen you completely. Hallelujah. And he is able to do this because he makes intercession for them. The Greek word translated intercession was a technical term that meant to have an audience with a king. To have an audience with a king. Throughout history, men have sought an audience 
with kings to have their petitions granted and to address their grievances. At the palace of Versailles in France, Louis XIV was surrounded by a retinue of advisors and attendants. And on any given day, he, there would be 3,000 to 10,000 courtiers who followed him around and also followed the strictest protocols. They had to bow so many times. They never turned their back on the king and so forth and so on. Every one of them endeavoring to seek the favor of the king. And a common person, an ordinary person, had almost no chance of ever meeting the king. He may not be even permitted to step on foot on the palace grounds, you see. I remember uh, just earlier uh, uh, this year, last year, this year, this year, whatever, where are we? Anyways, I remember earlier this year that uh, um, I saw that uh, in my home state uh, in America, they had elected a new governor, and I noticed that there was a prayer breakfast that was being held in his honor. And uh, I mentioned to a friend of ours, a pastor that we know, that I wouldn't mind going to that. Well, you know, you can't just go to that. You have to have an invite. And, and besides that, you have to pay. And it's very expensive. And they don't just let anybody, you know, off the street to attend that thing. And uh, so I thought, well, I guess that's, that's just a, a nice thought I had. But then my friend contacted us, me and my wife, and said, well, I know someone who has purchased several tickets for a group of people and one person in the group cannot come so you can have that ticket and I thought oh my so I I attended but it was a large room with uh, hundreds of people you know and so the different people spoke in the government and then the governor spoke briefly and then uh, and that was it and so we're all going and I thought hey you know why don't we meet the governor and they looked at me like you know I'm sorry who are you and uh, so with uh, this friend of ours I, I just kind of walked over there you know and I kind of stood and and the governor was just talking to a few people and I thought well you know I'm a person. He could talk to me too. <laughs> so I just kind of made my way there. And I thought, and, and these different security guards are saying, okay, it's time to go. Please let the governor go. But I just stood there and held out my hand and he held out his hand, shook his hand. And then I looked at my friend and she quickly whipped out her cell phone, of course, bump, bump. <laughs> hallelujah. But see, that's just meeting a governor in a democratically elected state. And even then, you know, it, it, you know, somebody had to pay a big price and, uh, and I had to be positioned in just the right thing and I had to be careful of kind of the protocol what's going on here with security and everything but you can imagine an ordinary person throughout history having a face-to-face -face with a monarch having an audience a personal audience with the king that's unheard of that just that's just beyond anybody's wildest imagination but Jesus the son of God is at the father's right hand hallelujah he's in the place of highest honor and he speaks to the father on our behalf half because he is our advocate hallelujah and he ever lives to make intercession for us that's what he lives for I said that's what he lives for so friend don't be discouraged you have friends in high places today maybe you don't know anybody in the government in this state or in this nation or wherever you're from but I'm telling you you have a friend in heaven hallelujah one that sticks closer than a brother and he paid a great price for you it's not just money it was his own blood hallelujah and you can come through him come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy hallelujah Hallelujah, and grace to help in time of need. Can somebody get excited for just a moment? 
Can somebody just get a little bit excited just for a moment? Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. All that we need and all that we desire is found in the presence of the Lord. In his presence there's fullness of joy. In 1 Chronicles 29.12 it says both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. Hallelujah. Whatever you need, it's found in the glory. Whatever you desire, it's found in his presence. Hallelujah. Amen. And we have access. We have access. Both Paul's talking about both Jew and Gentile. Those who are near and those who are far away. Those who have known the Lord for many, many years and those who just got acquainted with him. We can all come. There are no second class citizens in the kingdom. Hallelujah. We don't have first tier, second tier, third tier luggage compartment. Everybody has a first class ticket on the gospel train. Everybody has equal access because of Jesus Christ. But we must come through him it is always and only through Jesus in fact think about this Colossians three seventeen says giving thanks to God the Father through him even our thanksgiving must pass through him in Hebrews 13 15 through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. God only accepts the praise that comes through him. Woo, hallelujah. Going back to that verse in Ephesians, it says, through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The Trinity is involved in our prayers. Your prayer, your praise, your worship, your petition involves God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we approach the Father in or by the Spirit. You see, John 4.24 says this, that God is a spirit. God is a spirit being. Those who worship him must, somebody say must, must worship him in spirit and truth. You cannot contact God with your physical senses. You can't feel him with your hand. You can't see him with your eye. You cannot contact God with your mind. God's not a mind. He's not a thought. He's not a concept. You contact God with your spirit, with your inner man, by the Holy Spirit. Some people in the church world are trying to contact God, trying to worship God with their emotions. It's not wrong to have emotions. We are emotional people. But you don't contact God with your emotions. The more emotional you get, that doesn't, that doesn't bring you closer to God. Are you listening to me? Amen. Others are trying to worship God in the flesh. Now, the more physical you get, the more, the more you just move around. That in and of itself does not bring you into the presence of God. The worship that God desires comes from the heart. I said the worship that God desires comes from the heart. It's not for us to tell God how we would like to worship him. It is for him to tell us how he would like to be worshiped. Hallelujah. When we worship God just our way, we're not worshiping God. We're actually worshiping ourselves. But we must come to him in spirit and in truth by the help and by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice he said, Worship in spirit and in truth, and in truth. Going back to our first verse, John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, 
Pontius Pilate asked Jesus at the trial, what is truth? What he really meant is there is no truth. There's no such thing. He's really saying life is, is, is whatever you want it to be. You know, some people, you know, they say that life is just an illusion. One, one, uh, one uh, mystical guru told his disciple, life is maya, life is illusion. There is no reality. And his follower slapped him hard, pow. And he said, the guru said to his disciple, why did you do that? He said, Guruji, life is illusion. <laughs> no, life is not illusion. If you don't look both ways when you cross the street and a tata runs over you, that's no illusion. There is reality. This is not just some kind of a dream or something. This is reality. But beyond the physical reality that you can see with your eyes, that you can feel with your hands, there is the realm of the spirit. And you need a roadmap to that world. And that's the word of God. Jesus said, Jesus said, he is the truth. He is the truth. Without Jesus, there is no truth. Without him, life has no meaning. I said, without him, life has no meaning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, your word is truth. The word truth in the Bible is not just something factual. The truth is God's word. But Jesus is the word. I am the truth, he said. In John 1, 14, we read, and the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Revelation 19, 13 says, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus only said what he heard from the Father. That's why he always did that which was pleasing to the Father. He is the word of God. Hallelujah. So he said, no one can come to me. No one, sorry, can come to the Father except by me. No one can come to the Father except by me. But he's the truth. You can, without the truth, you cannot come to the Father. Without the truth, you cannot come to the Father. You see, the word of God is not only my contract with God, it is my contact with God. I come to him through the word. My prayer, my praise, my worship must be built and based on the word. In John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Some people say, oh, I know the Bible. I've, I've been a Christian all my life. I've studied the Bible. I've been a part of this church. I graduated from theological cemetery. I know all about the Bible. No, no, he said, and my words abide. The word abide means live in you. Just because you have memorized a verse, just because you are familiar with verses, that doesn't mean it's living in you. It's living in you by when you live it. It's living in you when you believe it. It's living in you when it is a part of who you are. Hallelujah. Our prayers are heard because we have a relationship with Christ and his word. We know him and we know his word personally. Now let's change gears for just a second. Let me give you another verse here. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Friends, if our greatest need was education, God would have sent to us a college professor. If our greatest need was financial, he would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was life. So God sent the life-giving Savior, Jesus Christ. Why did he come? To start a religion? No. Why did he come? To give humanity some rules to follow, some code of conduct to enlist? No. He came that we might have life. He came that we might have life. But what kind of life is this? It's not natural life. It's not just normal uh, uh, physical life because everybody already has that. Amen. And it doesn't just mean we'll live forever. Some people think eternal life means you'll live forever. But you see, all men are spirit, spirit beings. Even the sinner is a spirit being. All men will exist forever. The only difference is the sinner will live in one place and you'll live in another place. He'll spend eternity in hell and you'll be with the Lord in heaven. The Bible gives us, the Bible is its own best dictionary. And the Bible gives us at least three definitions for the word life. The Bible gives us at least three definitions for this word life. First, in John 5, 26, are you still here today? In John 5, 26, Jesus said, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. Other translations say the father has given the son the power to impart life. Well, he said, I've come that you may have life. What's in the father? Life. I know the students are getting a little refresher, reminder. We've gone over some of these things, but, you know, just look like you're paying attention, please. Amen. Or we won't let you sit in the center next time. All right. Amen. What's in the Father? Life. What kind of life? Well, the Bible says God is love, so this must be love life. Amen. This couldn't be discouraged life because God's not discouraged. It couldn't be depressed life because God's not depressed. It couldn't be sick life because God's never sick. Hallelujah. It couldn't be poor life because God's not poor. Hallelujah. It couldn't be anxious life because God's not anxious. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It couldn't be boring life. Some people think this is boring. Then it couldn't be boring life because nothing in heaven is boring. Hallelujah. You may be boring, but he is not. Amen. Whatever is in God, the life and the nature of God. And this life must be spiritual life because God is a spirit. Hallelujah. Spiritual death means being separated from God. So this spiritual life means being connected to God. Being in union with God. And this life doesn't steal, it doesn't kill, or it doesn't destroy. This life, this life increases this life heals. This life, this life creates new things in your life. Can I get another amen, please? That's the first scripture. Here's the second definition, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. Jesus is going to tell us what it is. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This life brings us into a relationship with the Father. Not knowing about God, but knowing him personally. And not only that, not only knowing God, but God knowing you. Which is better, that you know God or that he knows you? Well, let me answer the question this way. I know who the Queen of England is. She doesn't know who I am. I think that's a safe statement. So if the Queen of England, by chance, by some miracle, happened to be visiting Dimapur, 
Uh, that could be a world incident. If she happened to visit Dimapur and she was passing along the street in some kind of a parade and uh, in, in, in the road in front of our church, if she passed by, I could stand at the gates of this church and say, hey, that's the Queen of England. And no one would say a thing because, you know, they, they would all know that. You know, somebody might tell me to be quiet. But if she was passing by the gates of our church and she stopped and pointed at me and said, hey, that's Pastor John, everybody would notice. I would have new friends and relatives that I did not know existed. <laughs> Amen. You not only know God, he knows you. He knows your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He counts you as more than just some person in his kingdom, more than a citizen. You are, and you're certainly not a servant. You are his son through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Of course he knows you. Glory to God. Someone say amen. amen. And then thirdly, the third definition, we've already read it. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is the life. No wonder 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says this, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This life, this life and nature of God, it's only found in Jesus because he is the life. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not something we do for God for two hours on Sunday morning. Christianity is Christ living in you. There is no Christianity without Christ living in you. If you don't have Christ in you, you don't know the Father. You don't have his nature. And heaven is not your home. Hallelujah. Notice again, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's two different things. See, most Christians say, oh, I have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Full stop. Let me sit down. I've come that you may have life, but that's not all. And, and have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't come just so you would have eternal life. He came so that you would be full of life. Full of life. Having it till it overflows. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, you can't say that about most Christians, can you? I mean, even born again Christians, you can't say that person is full of the life of God. No, I'm sorry. You just can't say that. It's not common. It's rare. It's very rare. But when you meet someone who's full of the life of God, you don't forget it. I think one reason why Christians don't have a strong witness in this world is we have life. Well, of course, most of them don't, so-called Christians. But I mean, talking about genuine, born-again Christians, most of them, they have life, but they don't have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. How can you have more life? By having more of him. He is the life. By having more of him. How can I have more of him? When he can have more of you when he can have more of you. Come on, he's not a Sunday morning only Jesus. He's not a, a Wednesday night only Jesus. He's not a Christmas Jesus. He's not a, just an Easter Jesus. He's not a Mother's Day Jesus. He's an everyday Jesus, and he wants to have every part of your life. He doesn't want to be confined to one little box or one little part of your schedule. He isn't a part of your life. The Bible says he is your life. Hallelujah. He wants to be smack dab right in the middle of your affairs. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, there's no better way to live. 
There's no better way to live. Hallelujah. When you have more of him, you'll have more of his healing. You'll have more of his strength. You'll have more of his wisdom. You'll have more of his direction. You'll have more of his peace. You'll have more of all that he is. Can I get an amen from somebody here? So Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except by me. And he is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So without life, you can't come to the Father. I said, without this life, you cannot come to the Father. So Jesus came that we might have life. And that life means that we know God personally. So he came so that we could come to the Father. But before you can come to the Father, you must come to Christ. You must come to him. Amen. One last verse here today. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Think about this. He is the door. So he who is the door is knocking on the door of your heart. His door is open, but is yours. He wants to come in, but we must respond. We must respond. Hallelujah. I know this is talking about salvation. Yet on the other hand, I think many times the spirit of God is dealing with believers. I want to be with you. I, I, want, to, I want to fellowship with you. I, 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 want to, I, I, I want to walk with you. He's knocking, but the door is closed. Amen. I remember many years ago, uh, I attended a, 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 a meeting in a church that, that taught on gifts of the Spirit. We met, I think, like every Tuesday night in this Pentecostal Assembly of God church. And there was a, a kinder old woman who taught on gifts of the Spirit. And marvelous things were happening. I mean, you know, she encouraged us to, to step out and and believe God and exercise these gifts of the Spirit. And there were prophecies and things like that. It was really amazing, really amazing. In fact, some, as they were praying, one person said, I see you. I see you wearing a suit and you have a briefcase and you're walking like down a hallway and you're, and you're like somebody important. Well, that, that, that wasn't what he saw with his eyes because I didn't wear any suit and I didn't even have a briefcase and no one thought anything like that of me. And then he said, and he said, are you going to go to Bible school? Well, he didn't know it at that time. I had just enrolled in Bible school and was going to leave. And that was a total stranger. I was going to leave in just a, just a few weeks from that time, later in, actually later in that summer. Hallelujah. So marvelous things were happening. But I had nothing. And some of these people who are having words from the Lord and that type of thing, I know they haven't been saved as long as I have. And it really bothered me. Even when they quoted a Bible verse, I thought, ha ha, you misquoted it. But it didn't matter. God was using them and he wasn't using me like that. And it really bothered me. So I decided I need to start praying. So I went home and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed because I want to hear God's voice. Prayed and prayed and prayed. I came back next, that next week and they had something. I had nothing. So I went back home again and I prayed and prayed and prayed some more. I want to hear your voice, God. I want to hear your voice. And I got nothing. The third week, same thing. They have all kinds of words and God using, and I got nothing. And I went home and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. <laughs> I want to hear his voice. And while I was kneeling there by the bed, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I heard a voice inside me speak. It's the first time I ever heard God's voice like that. 
And, and it startled me. I almost thought someone behind me said something. I was startled. And the voice within me said, my son, you don't know how I long to hear your voice. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We sometimes think that we've got to somehow persuade God to be with us. That we got to somehow, you know, just talk him into the notion of just being near to us. Or that maybe somehow if we could just, you know, make some kind of a sacrifice or do something to really, really please him in a special way that maybe he might show up. We don't realize the reason he sent his son to die on the cross. The reason he sent his son to hell and suffer the torments there. The reason he raised him from the dead is because he longs to hear our voice. He longs to fellowship with us. He longs to be with us. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, notice he said this, I will eat with him and he with me. In Eastern culture, particularly like in the Middle East and in ancient times, in Eastern culture, usually dinner guests ate while the host served. Remember in the book of Genesis, around Genesis chapter 18, I believe, you know, the Lord himself, this is a a pre-incarnate appearance. The Lord himself and two angels came to where Abraham was. And Abraham got up and asked him, please stay. And he said, wash your feet and have, have a little water to drink. But actually, he, like, like people in Nagland, he's kind of like making it sound small, but he's thinking big, actually. So he told his wife, you know, kill the fatted calf, prepare the best meal. And the Bible says that Abraham served the Lord and those angels, but he just, he stood at his side. Because that's the typical Middle Eastern in ancient Israel. That's the typical way. The host serves while the guest eats. But Jesus said... I will eat with him and he with me. Jesus is not just going to be a guest in your home. He's going to sit down at the table with you like a friend, face to face, hallelujah, on an equal footing with you because he's not ashamed to call you his brother because you have the same father, hallelujah. It's all because of the blood. Glory to God, amen. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning? Praise the Lord. Through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. Lift up both hands toward heaven and just give God some praise in this house today.